0: Welcome to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass with Brett Henderson, founder of Strategic Wealth Endeavor. We've created a community of veteran entrepreneurs just like you who are ready to help you succeed. Our podcast provides expert advice and resources so you can overcome any obstacle in your way. With the help of Brett and veteran guest experts, you can build a battle ready business mindset to take your company to the next level. Thank you for listening to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass. Now, on to the show.
1: Brett Henderson is a financial advisor, but that means more than just hanging out a shingle. It comes with understanding people and a commitment to values and the processes that create a bond with clients. Brett, along with Giselle Kaimi, founded Strategic Wealth Endeavor with values and process at the core. Now, Brett has achieved several designations to support the mission of the firm, and he is an independent advisor. I'm Patrice Sacora, Brett, let's start with the designations you hold. Why and which one makes you the proudest?
2: Well, good morning, Patrice. Thank you, and happy to be here again. Um, why and which one? Well, let's chat about the why and where we are today and how we got there. And then we'll talk maybe about which one, but I, I mm-hmm. probably won't do that actually. Uh, I'll just say that since I started the business in 2004, um, my first designation was in 2006 and another one 2008, and then a, a gap for a while, one in 2009, which I couldn't put on my card so let that lapse. And the, But the last three, four years, I've attained four. So it's one of those things where I think, you know, the further I get in my career, I think that shows I'm not just resting my laurels. I believe education is important and and continuing to improve and grow and build your skill set is necessary. And I'm 46 years old right now and I'm, I feel like I'm in my prime. I have another 20 years to crank, so to speak. And so bearing myself in education, I, I truly believe knowledge is power. And whoever's listening to this podcast, no one actually cares, what the actual letters mean, right? No, no one cares about the alphabet soup, but they care if you're their advisor that you care about education and you take your profession seriously and that you are striving for excellence. You're striving to provide the best outcome possible for your clients. That's what my clients care about. So no one cares about what the letters mean. What it does show though, is that I'm committed to excellence and I'm committed to self-improvement and that I'm not resting on my laurels. So if there's anything to take away, from the designation alphabet soup behind my name it really is just that i i believe in self-improvement i believe in education i believe in continue to improve and and building my skill set so i can provide the best service the best value and hopefully that leads to the best outcomes for my clients
1: well i am going to press you which one are you proudest of which of these designations
2: well i think the proudest Well, the the SEMA, Certified Investment Management Analyst, is a mini CFA, and that was probably the hardest one. That was done at Wharton back in 2008. I had to go to a conference or a campus, actually, Merrill Lynch, when Merrill Lynch still existed on its own before they failed and Bank America bought them in 2009. And by 2008, it, there was a home study course, and I remember walking around my neighborhood with flashcards, literally, I put a full day in studying and walk around. Flashcards and trying to memorize things and and doing questions on weekends and and it just wasn't fun, but you just power through it. And then you had an immersive class for a week where you sat there all day, eight till five, and then after dinner you had to sit there and crank another three four hours at night, and then wake up in the morning and do it again. and And to pass that, so that felt the best. Uh, so the SEMA felt the best. The probably the hardest one was the CLU chartered life underwriter. That's pretty much a master's in life insurance or master's in risk. And everyone's like, well, why did you get that? And the funny part, (laughs) when I was at UBS, I was the only CLU I ever found or met at UBS. No one else had it. And I was like, why do you have that designation? Why did you take the time to do that? Why did you get that? Because I didn't make more money. I didn't pay more. And and it took several years to attain it because it was voluntary and I believe that someone's 401k is their future lifestyle insurance. For most Americans, the more is in their 401k, the better their future lifestyle is going to be. So for me, it was a natural progression to attain the CLU because it's about risk management. And if you work your whole life and save your whole life, and you want to have a certain lifestyle when you want to protect her and make sure that there's not some random event that's going to pop out of nowhere and impact it. So I think it was a natural progression for me as a 401k consultant to have the risk or the skill sets in the area of risk to manage that risk, to provide better outcomes for our clients. So it's funny digression. When I was at UBS, there was a financial planning specialist, and they're the risk specialist. Oh, the insurance specialist. Great. And I met with them and I looked at him and he was a CFP. <laughs> and a certified financial planner, that's a nice designation. Yes, it's hard to attain, and yes, it takes some time. It's only five modules. The CLU was eight modules. Mm-hmm. And of the five modules, the CFP, one is insurance, <laughs> for the CLU, eight is risk. So uh, I was more qualified than he was, and this was my expert, so to speak. Now they had more maybe street experience; I had more book experience, and that's that's the challenge. You have the book knowledge, but then you have to apply it. And so I still, I still may have the, I have the professional. Uh, that's a great word, professional accreditations and acumen. However, I know what I know, and I know where my experience is, and I know when to reach out to those other professionals who who are deeper in the space every day and are executing in that space every day versus the the new college grad that comes out with a couple letters with no experience right do you want that brand new heart surgeon <laughs> that just graduated their boards yeah. or do you want the one that's been doing it 30 years right and and, and so it has more experience so i even know when to reach out to build my own bench to provide better outcomes for for our clients, I know where my area of expertise is, and I know where it's not, and I know when to build the team. So the the least favorite designation was the CLU. However, that's the most impactful, I think, uh, as far as helping our clients attain better outcomes. And more recently, the last one, which I just passed, literally two three weeks ago, is the CEPA, the Certified Exit Planning Advisor. And so if you look at the Business cycle for for any business owner, any entrepreneur, you have the initial startup phase where you are trying to figure everything out, and you are getting kicked in the face every day. And then you have the kind of the, the normal. The business is set up, it's running, it's comfortable, it's profitable. You have your clients, your customers. You have your systems down, you have procedures down, you have your team down. HRs under control, everybody's happy, your business is humming. And then you okay, well, this has made a great life experience for me. And I've had a great business and I've run the business. Now, what's next in life for me? And do I pass it down to my kids or, or children or management team? Or if the management team isn't strong enough to run it, be a strategic buyer. So it's about the next cycle. And so having that skill set to work with an entrepreneur from inception through execution through exit is for me, was just a natural progression of my skill set as I am now (laughs) a veteran business owner. And I look at my own business with 20 years in in the business, where do I want to be in 5 years, 10 years, 15, 20 years? Is this something where Giselle wants to take over? Or my son, who is now 5, do I want to stay until he's 25, another 20 years, and, and maybe see if that's a transition? So as I start to ask myself those same questions about my own business, I know there's other entrepreneurs out there asking themselves the same thing, and so if I can put myself in their shoes and, and I can truly be in their position, it helps me provide the best advice and guidance possible. So those are three of the seven designations, and I, again, no one cares about how a hot dogs made; they just want a hot dog, right? So <laughs> I got a an alphabet hot dog after my name, and and as long as it tastes yummy and I like the cheesy jalapeno Johnson uh johnsonville oh you don't like those patrice no no
1: no just just give me all oh, those are the best ones with, with onions mustard and uh chili sauce on it but Wait, I, dig- I, I digress i digress. got cheese I cheese that's right yeah cheese too but there is one designation you didn't mention the bfa
2: ah <laughs> yeah. yes yes Absolutely. yes
1: so tell us about that one
2: and that's the froofy one the Fruity ones like what is that <laughs> never heard of that one and the froofy one I'm a kind of a frothy guy. When I to go to Starbucks, someone asks, "What do you want?" Like, just give me a frothy coffee, and that's what, like caramel frappa, vanilla, yum Haki-yatta, yum, something. Just, yeah, just make it yummy and, I and a full large, sugar. I think the large, small,
1: and medium figured out though. Just right like that that size. This one,
2: but go ahead. Grande. Well, now it's a, now it's about budgeting because you look in there like, oh, there goes my budget because it's so expensive now for a coffee. But we can but BFA. BFA. Yeah, BFA. Sorry, sorry. So BFA, behavioral financial advisor, and that takes. A normal, I'd say a normal advisor, and what you're trained to do is meet with a client, ask a bunch of probing questions, find their pain, and then give them a solution to help solve the pain. And so here's where you are. Here's where you want to be. A, get to B. Well, they, the thing that's missing is who the person is. Everyone's A is not the same. Everyone has a different personality. Everyone, everyone has different life experiences. Everyone has a different goal of where they want to be and, and how they got to where they are. And I think people somehow, I don't know why, feel investing is logical. <laughs> you do this, you do that, and you're going to have a certain outcome. They it, Money is emotional, period. Money is emotional, and it's not everything I do is actually 90% emotion and 10% logic. The easy part's picking investments. That's the easy part. But understanding where someone is and who they are, where they want to go and why they want to go there. And what happens if they don't get there and what, oh, yeah. what they're risking? That's the biggest aspect to understand the downside if we fail. Right. So I would, that's why I'd rather measure not three times, seven, eight, 10, 20 times and cut once to help minimize the opportunity for failure than anything else. But the BFA takes something into consideration that is not taught at the big firms or was not, full disclosure, was not taught when I was there. And that's the emotional aspect, that behavioral aspect. And so it's about someone's values, understanding who they are and what drives them. And so we we have a pretty it's not my, I didn't develop it. I know in your opening, you're like, oh, we developed this. I didn't develop it, but I, I went through the course went through designation and they recommend thing to perform. We can, we can talk about that if anyone reaches out too. And they have cards, values cards. And so it's a cool exercise. We get a deck of several, I think it's over 60 different values and you whittle it down. You cut the deck in half, what you like, what you don't, what resonates, what doesn't, then down to 20 and then down to 10, and then down to five. And you get your top five values. And that really drives who you are. So I have my five, Giselle. Actually, Giselle's on the call too. She has her five. So I think we can maybe chat about, or if you tell me if you want to chat about that or not. However, understanding a client's values is important to then take those values and incorporate those values into any investment advice or financial advice we provide. So if someone, for example, family's huge to them and family's huge to me, I have a five-year-old son. If family is an important value and a question comes up, hey, I can invest in a commercial building and make some money, or I can invest in a vacation home and spend more time with my family and maybe rent it out when we're not using it. Wow you told me that family is important to you. That's a value. So the commercial property may be financially more lucrative, but if you have a vacation home and you can spend more time with your family and that's important to you, my advice would be to generally probably obtain the vacation home where you can spend more time with your family. And full disclosure... I d- that doesn't make me any money. <laughs> I get paid no money if a client buys a second home. It's not how I earn a living. However, it's important to them and it's prudent for them. So that's the advice as a fiduciary you're going to give them is do what's in their best interest that meets meets their needs. So having that BFA, I think, has been a nice... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Patrice, you tell you're You're better with words than I am. It just brings it all together. What, what's it, accoutrement? Is that a French word? It's what?
1: glue. It's glue yeah all together
2: yes so that's now, been a nice one that that I don't see any other advisors really obtaining um, Maybe it's out there but not a ton have it and I agree nice. it is the glue that brings everything else together
1: I love it now Giselle you go through this value cards business too I mean you've, you've apparently you've got you've done the the uh, cards you've got your top five but knowing values you're the one who really works with the clients behind the scenes does this help you with your relationship with them?
3: Yeah, I would say it would. It's getting to know, it's someone I'm working with. They don't know me. I don't know them. So going through the client onboarding process with them, I'm getting to know who they are, their family, what they like, what's on their mind. <laughs> Sometimes it turns into a rant session. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just releasing stress. So I'm, I'm there with them. Uh, I listen, I'm a very good listener. So I think the values really does strengthen that relationship with myself and with Brett, just we want to get to know our clients and who they are and what drives them, what motivates them. And I think that's, it's a very good start to a very strong relationship.
1: Tell us a little bit about what you do with the clients, especially through the onboarding. We're talking about processes here, too.
3: Yeah, so I will hop on that phone call with them and just set expectations about what the onboarding process will look like. And it's a lot of forms, a lot of paperwork. So I let them know, hey, we can do this over the phone. I'll walk through the form with you or some clients do opt to, opt to just do the form themselves. And then I'll just pre-fill all the account forms for them, send it back to them. They review it, sign it, and then I'm back on the back end communicating with our back office and trying to get the account opened. Once the accounts are open, we move on to the welcoming phase. So we're sending out the, a client gift to them. The values cards comes in. So I'll write a little note letting them know, hey, thank you for choosing us to take you on this financial journey. Uh, We have a little activity that we want to take you through when it comes to developing a financial plan. We want to make sure that we provide a plan that is you, is holistic and includes all parts of your life, financial and personal. And then from there, we'll set up a call with them, go through the values exercise and then just have a conversation about it.
1: How long does this uh, values exercise take, guys?
3: It doesn't take that long. Probably depends on the conversation too, where it yeah. Cause there'll be a couple values of like, oh, so why did you choose this? So it could be 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Especially when you have a couple. and you have a couple too, exactly. the, the husband yeah. does it and you don't let them talk to each other before mm-hmm. or while they're doing it. That way it's independent, but it is, it's is—it's couples therapy really when you sit there, especially a marriage couple, because money is stressful and they go wow. through it. And it's really cool to watch a couple go through it because one spouse will have one set, the other will have another. There's always, not always, but yes, there's always actually overlap of one or two. And there's always a couple that are independent and they choose like yin and yang and it makes, makes them work <laughs> as a couple. So it's kind of cool to see.
1: And what do you... When you see that, you get done your couple's therapy here. You know, Do you have to bring them together at the table? Or is it just, okay, these are yours, these are yours, we'll deal with it?
2: Now, more, it's like, ah, that makes sense. So it's enlightening for both of them, where they're both like, oh, this explains this, and this explains that. So oh. it really actually it helps them come together as a couple, and it helps clarify maybe why some thoughts or emotions or biases because a lot of biases with money and and a lot of couples will have certain things where they talk about certain biases or challenges and some things they hide and they think it's better not to discuss and and we all know what those are so it's really impressive to actually sit there and watch a couple go through it and then come together and chat about in front of us right i'm not a psychologist i'm not a uh, at all, like I feel like I am more than anything else. As I said, because money is ninety percent emotional, ten percent logical, mm-hmm. and understand the emotions and to build that rapport and build that relationship is very, very powerful to see.
1: You've mentioned UBS, you've mentioned Merrill; those are big names. They well were big names in one case, <laughs> 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 um, wirehouses. But you're not with any
2: big name right now no no well come on my name's not big i'm i'm, a, it's oh, getting, I'm so, i said right now so, it's, getting, okay, there. it's okay.
1: getting. we're leaving room
2: <laughs> right but you're an independent yes yes why yeah uh well with that <laughs> what does it mean first of all and then why sure well what does it mean so it means i'm not tied to any specific tool set or financial institution. I can choose to work with anyone I, I like. So I'm a free agent, so to speak. There's still compliance with, with licenses. So i have Series 7, Series 66, and there still needs to be compliance and oversight. So I do choose to work with a firm, actually a phenomenal firm, Independent Financial Partners. They've been very, very good to me since I've joined them um, two and a half years ago. And I, I, we can have a whole podcast on them and what they do. However, I choose to be with them. They don't own my clients. I own my clients. When you work with a big firm, every time you sign paperwork, you're signing the firm's paperwork. So you build a relationship, but the firm owns it and you're a W-2 employee. And so with myself, everything I have, I've decided with Giselle's feedback on, on what we want. So all technology, every. Techno- piece of technology we own or tech stack is what they call it in the industry. I have chosen, I have done the due diligence. I've done the research. I choose to use. Well, the investment analysis, I choose. Now we do have investment team within our back office at IFP, two real, real smart guys with designations that I don't have. The, well, we can talk about that. I don't want to digress too much, but the back office is there and they have support. However, I choose to use them. If that relationship starts to be not ideal, I'll just say that way, I can go wherever I want. And so everything we've built is what we feel is in the best interest of our clients. Every piece of technology I feel helps us provide the best experience and outcome for our clients. So it's all about choice, and our we're driving the bus. The bus is not driving us. When I was with a big firm, this is just a personal feeling. You there's a box the firm wants you to be in, and stay in that box, and just do whatever you can in that box. And the main thing is just to bring in. Money. The feeling it was just bringing assets, bringing assets, bringing assets. That's all they care about, and the outcome didn't matter. It was just managing money because that's the firm. That's how the firm makes money is managing money. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you could just—it was just clear after many years. It's one of those things you you start there and you're excited. You, oh, I'm going to be here forever. And then you just get that happiness kind of chipped away. (laughs) In reality, it's not what you think, and and it wasn't. My business. It was the firm's business. And if you have free thought and you try and think of a different way, or, or think of how things could be better, more efficient, or different, to get, I just a feeling of being pushed back, or no, just stay in your box just do what do what the firm wants you to do in this box. And when I was with Merrill, there was over I think fourteen thousand advisors, and UBS when I started, I think it was nine thousand. I think they're down to seven thousand now. That shows uh, kind of what's going on there, but it is what it is but now we drive the bus and we make the box and if we if i don't if giselle and i feel there's a better way of do something we can make those changes if our clients give us feedback hey do this ah we can change it we drive it we make the operations manual it's our processes our procedures and we are completely in control of that so every single thing we do is focused to try to help us position our clients to accomplish their goals. And I've never been able to do that more. At least emotionally, I feel I have never had more control than I do now being independent to deliver that outcome.
3: Giselle, any thoughts? Oh, you said it perfectly.
2: (laughs) You never say anything I do is perfect. Come on.
3: I mean, it's for as long as I've been with you the last two years, it's definitely been a lot of trial and error. And I think we've gotten in a really good spot where we were confident in what we're doing, we're confident in the process and um, the feedback that you've been giving me and what the, cl- what the clients have been telling you just about us and the team have been really positive and it's, it's been good. So like we're in a good spot right now.
1: <laughs> good. And about to grow, right? You're going to grow. Yes.
3: We're, we're going to grow. All right. Brett, we're kind of running out of time here, but
1: sure. any final thoughts?
2: No, I think this is a good one. So, again, the why, This is, well, I didn't even talk about my own values, so I'm just going to hit them real quick Go for just it. just throw them out there. Mine are education, and having this as in seven designations, I think shows that. Education is important. I think knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, and that just speaks for itself. Loyalty. Ask Giselle. Giselle took care of me during COVID, and there were some challenging times. I am so loyal to those who help me. It's amazing. And I'm so loyal to my clients. Even some aren't always nice and friendly, but we are incredibly loyal. We'll talk about that. And then integrity. Uh, Some people say honesty. And then as a Marine, especially integrity. And people, what's the difference between integrity and honesty? And I think honesty is telling the truth to others. But integrity is telling yourself the truth when no one else is looking. And I think honesty starts with integrity. If you have the, the ability to tell yourself when you when you could be doing better, when you're doing something wrong, when you're making a mistake, call yourself out, listen, learn, drive, improve, and move on. That's, that's I think, more important than even honesty. So having integrity first leads to always having honesty. And then family. I, I have a five-year-old son, Lucas. I love him to death. Mom's still around. She drives me crazy, but she's still here. Uh, so family is huge for me and watching my son grow and, and, and just watching him develop is, is amazing. And then the last, last value I have is excellence. And that's just something you strive for. I, I will share. You know, I was <laughs> a humble digression undergrad. Maybe I shared this in an earlier podcast. I had the lowest SAT score of anyone I ever met at Tulane. I had the lowest GMAT score of anyone I met in my master's program. Yeah, so I'm not the smartest guy, just genetically boom, just gifted. However, I outwork a majority of my peers. And I will make up for the educational, uh well, not educational difference, because that's you, you build that but the, the just genetic brain power which some of my peers have when you go to be big institutions you're just smarter people than you and and I like to surround myself with smarter people which is easy for me to do because my SAT score wasn't that high <laughs> but <laughs> I outwork most of them so what comes easy easy for them I put my head down and just barrel through it and Giselle sees that and and some of my peers then. So many of my peers see that. I just put my head down and work through stuff to get to that outcome. So our values, education, loyalty, integrity, family excellence, we take it, I take it and put it all back into the business. The business is a business, but it's also me at the same time. So when you're joining our firm, when you're joining Giselle and I, you're also joining myself and my life and our own endeavor as we move forward to help you accomplish your dreams, your goals with your financial endeavor.
1: And how can listeners reach you?
2: Websites, SWE90.com. It should be live by now. By the time you hear this, it should be live. We've been doing the rebrand forever. SWE90.com, Brett at SWE90.com, or Giselle at SWE90.com. And my direct lines, 310 491 7045. Again, 310 491 7045
1: folks this has been great thank you so much and listeners follow and subscribe to this podcast you'll know when the latest episode is ready for you and share it with friends and colleagues thanks for being with us i'm patrice socorro
0: thank you for listening to the veteran entrepreneur Masterclass podcast don't forget to click the follow button to become notified when new episodes become available securities offered through ifp securities llc dba independent financial partners ifp member finra and sipc investment advice offered through ifp investors llc dba independent financial partners ifp a registered investment advisor ifp and strategic wealth endeavor inc are not affiliated the views expressed are that of the host and are for informational purposes only, and in no event should be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. Neither IFP Investors LLC, IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, nor their affiliates offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners,